Nation, you are now listening to the Owl Chat Podcast, your one-stop shop for everything Kennesaw State Athletics, with your hosts, Kai Millette and John Finer. And we are back here with the Owl Chat Podcast doing a bit of an instant reaction to the Owls' 91-84 loss to Florida International on Sunday night. Um, I am joined here in studio by our basketball correspondent, former Owl, Mr. Aaron Anderson, my co-host and partner, Mr. John Finer, and a new member of our team, Mr. Tim Desmond. So, you know, if you guys hear a new voice in the background, that's uh, that's Tim. He's going to be helping us out with some of the behind-the-scenes stuff. Um, so don't be frightened. Anyways, boys, tough loss tonight. Um, not a ton to say, but John, I'll give you the floor. Just initial thoughts. Well, same as last time, I've got something smart ass to say. I noticed you introduced Aaron first this time instead of me. And I'm I'm picking up on these subtle things. I get it, Kai. I see where we're at. But no, Taking seriously. Over. Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, Tim is running our uh, social media at Owl Chat Podcast. So if you guys ever see, you know, me or Kai interacting with it or whatnot, don't think we're just like talking to ourselves um because tim is running it so uh yeah um but my initial thoughts uh disappointing game um i thought fiu really had the more want to um you know after some disappointing losses in the cayman islands and they kind of you know came out from the jump and kind of let us know like hey we're here you know if you guys want to run we'll out energy you um we'll put a lot of pressure on you guys make you uh execute at a high level Unfortunately, you know, as you found out, we did not execute at a high level for most of the night, um, missed a lot of free throws. And, um, you know, as bad as, you know, as bad as we played at times, you know, we only lost by seven. So I guess that's, you know, some kind of uh, consolation prize. Um, what were your thoughts, Aaron? Yeah, I think I think FIU needed this one. Um, so we, we take that a little bit now. I, I, same as you. I mean, Adam kind of echo what you said a little bit. We we didn't really do anything unexpected we didn't have a ton of organization but that's kind of what we've come to see and expect the first handful of games of the season um a lot of shot attempts um a lot of dependency on our guard play and and getting us open looks um but pretty much what we've come to expect in the first part of the non-conference season uh from our team i think um i'm First, firstly, I'm with you guys. I think FAU or FIU, excuse me, um, two different thing. majors. <laughs> no, FAU is killing it. So, you know, can't slander them. Um, but I think uh, I think FIU wanted it more. I think they were desperate for a win. Um, I haven't watched a single FIU game all season up till now, but it looked like they had some close losses. Um, and like even in the post game interview with their uh, point guard after the game, he was like, yeah, we, you know, we don't feel like we should be one and six right now. So I do think their record was a little misleading. Um, the one thing that was uh, surprising and new was RJ Johnson cracking the starting lineup and Frank Juan Sherman only playing eight minutes off the bench. I'm not sure if there was a reason for that. Um, if there was like a disciplinary thing with uh, Frank Von Sherman, obviously that's not something you want to assume, but it's a little weird when you have a guy that's been, you know, a consistent starter um, go from that to playing only eight minutes, um, even when he wasn't in foul trouble. So um, that stood out to me. Quincy didn't shoot the ball too well off the bench. Um, and that's kind of been a difference maker for us this year. 
Um, he was 0 of 6 from 3. Uh, did a decent job of getting to the bucket. Um, Terrell had a rough time finishing. He was only 13 or 3 of 16 on the night. Um, but made up for it, you know, with 10 assists. So that's what I got. Yeah, and it was very weird when I saw Sherman wasn't starting. At first I thought, okay, you know, maybe it's a matchup thing. And then I checked and they have some really big bigs. So that doesn't make any sense. Why are we all of a sudden, you know, putting RJ in a third guard and sliding King up to the four. And then I thought, okay, maybe it's disciplinary, you know, maybe they'll hold him out for the first half. And then he came in and then he only played eight minutes. So, you know, my money is on, uh, you know, had an undercooked Turkey at Thanksgiving dinner. Um, and, uh, that's where I'll kind of leave it unless I, you know, unless this is a trend that keeps up, um, I'll just assume he is probably under the weather, but that's just me, you know, guessing because I don't really see any reason why, uh, you know, we should only play eight minutes. Right. It was interesting to see that, uh, three guard lineup out there with Cottle, Burden and Johnson. Um, it didn't work too well. Uh, Johnson had a pretty quiet night, only had four points, only shot the ball three times, um, I like Johnson a lot more coming off the bench and leading that second unit um, with Quincy and uh, with Ranji. Um, so, you know, maybe they're just experimenting. Uh, I think Frank Juan probably would have been more valuable in this game um, than most. I think uh, with the size they had, he would have matched up pretty well. Um, but what do I know? I'm not coaching the team. Um, so confusing. Um I thought Johnson really kind of, you know, looked for the first time like he was a real freshman out there, you know, off balance, missed some layups. Um, You know, he he just looked a little bit, I don't know, maybe tired. Is that the right word? Or I I don't want to say he was timid or anything like that. He wasn't, you know, he just kind of felt a little off balance and maybe a little tired out there. I agree with you 100%. I was going to, I was going to say the same thing. He's never really looked like a freshman and I've like saying his praises every game they've played and how much I love to see him out there today. He looked like a freshman. Um, Some of his finishes were, I mean, he got to the lane and to the, to the basket quite often as he always does. And, and some of his finishes were pretty lazy. Um, Not that he had lazy effort, but he looked like a freshman out there. And and to Kai's point, I love him coming off the bench. Um, He brings a different energy, a different um, pace to the game that we, that we can utilize coming off the bench, you know, eight to 10 minutes into the game when he's a primary ball handler, um, and we took that away, putting him in the starting lineup. And, you know, when we're a team that shoots a lot and attacks the hoop, um, you know, we're going to have these nights against perhaps some bigger teams or when the ball's not going our way, when you have small guards like, you know, Burden and Cottle, you know, I think Pat Way, I hopefully, I think he identified something, which is why he's gotten all those six, four, six, five, six, six guards coming in that can kind of shoot it and slash and are athletic that can, you know, take the contact and absorb when burden's going in there, you know, a lot of the times he'll be fine versus certain teams, but just sometimes either he doesn't have it going or the team's too long where it's just kind of, you know, more of a prayer more than anything else. Um, he had the 10 assists and, you know, he, like Kai said, he shot what three of 16, um, you know, it was just one of those nights for us. And I felt FIU, you know, I felt they played hard and I felt they played well, you know, they hit a lot of shots. Every time they gave us a little crack to get back in the game, they closed that up and hit a shot or two to get right back up, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten points. I was going to say, you know, with Terrell, he was still getting that first step and he was still, you know, beating his first man to the basket every time. But it just like every time he got there, there's two guys right there and he got swatted probably four or five times tonight. Um, not a huge cause for concern. It happens. Um, I I worry a little bit about our tempo. Um I think F- FIU's announcers said we were the number one tempo team in the nation, which is kind of insane. Yeah. Um, and it's like, 
we didn't shoot the ball particularly well tonight and we still put up 84 points. And what that does when you, you know, you're pushing the ball that quickly, every single possession is you're giving the other teams, you know, an equal amount of possessions. Um, so when a team has a decent shooting light night, like FIU did, then you put yourself behind the eight ball and, you know, you're playing catch up the whole rest of the game and you got to get streaky. You got to get hot. And when your shooters like Adam McCoya um, or Jamel King, you know, are having bad nights together, they were two of 14 from three, you know, it's really, really hard to dig yourselves out of that hole. So um, a guy I did want to highlight was Ronji Gordon. He had probably oh, his great. best game of the year. Um, he was great on the glass, uh, had 11 points too. He had a shot from outside. Um, and you and I had questioned in the offseason whether or not he was going to be taking those outside shots. Um, he was one of three tonight. We'll take it. So really, really happy with what we saw from Ronji tonight. And he was showing initiative uh, a little bit, you know, offensively as well. I thought more than any previous game. Um, and I do want to go back to Burton. There is something that I did want to mention, and really the only person here that's qualified to talk about it would be Aaron Anderson. Um, when you have a stupid and goofy looking court like FIU has with the the blue wave going across one entire side, you know, as a shooter, you know, does that throw, and I know you're not a shooter, but as a player, does that throw you off? Like you can't really, you know, the, the, fa- the baseline, it's hard to see um, the sideline, all that kind of stuff. You know, does it throw off your uh, perception, anything like that, Aaron? No, I don't think so. And, and of course, I'm not I'm not a shooter out there by any means, especially in, in college days. It's it's not going to affect them too much. They had their shoot around. They got they got to familiarize themselves with the court. It definitely did affect the viewing experience, which I'm sure we're going to talk about a little bit. But uh, as a player, I don't think I wouldn't attribute attribute any positive shooting or any negative shooting outputs from the court. Um, although we didn't shoot the ball very well tonight. Uh, but the court, it's not going to play a huge impact. And it's just like any other arena, they're going to have different different things, you know, that are quirky about, you know, the stands or the fans in the background. It's the court is no more different than that. Yeah, I was more towards thinking, you know, getting your, your footwork right, accidentally stepping out of bounds, that, you know, thinking about it a little more, that kind of thing. Uh, but again, if, you know, I'm, if you say yeah. it doesn't affect it, then it doesn't affect it. Um, no. But that's yeah, part of home guys, court advantage, so. Yeah, and these, these shooters, they, they honestly probably get up 500 shots a day on, a, on an average day they are they know where the three-point line is you will very seldomly see someone look down to see where their toe is um so something like that it may throw them off a bit but at the end of the day they're going to just go out there and shoot and play yeah and right. that was just something i kind of wanted to you know uh bring up somebody mentioned that to me and i was kind of crossed my mind as well yeah. right i was going to say i think the only thing that may have been um kind of a challenge was that big blue wave at the top of the screen you know it made it made it like just a little bit difficult to see what was out of bounds and what was a you know outside the three-point line and inside the arc so um but like Aaron said uh, I'm sure it was no problem for FIU and uh, I'm sure we got our due time on it before the game so I don't think it would be that big of an issue did you guys see the uh, inflatable flailing tube man that they talked about and that stupid uh what's it called the hypnotizing what is there a word for that that thing is the spiral thing, whatever it was, that was, I don't even know if it was being powered by a student. I think they yeah. had maybe four students in that uh, little wooden bleacher section. So whatever. <laughs> I mean, if that's a conference USA, uh, you know, arena, I think we're doing okay. Oh, absolutely. I think the uh, attendance was like 775 reported um, according to the box score, which, you know, we draw more than that when we have SC upstate pull up, you know, during Christmas break. So. Yeah. Well, to be fair, they have a beach, so. This is yeah. true. And uh, another major university right down the road. 
Um, one thing we do need to talk about is free throw shooting. Uh, it did improve a little bit late in the game. Um, and credit to Terrell Burden, he did shoot six of seven to kind of boost his stat line a little bit and finish with 13. Um, but 18 of 28 as a team um, is not great. <clears throat> and uh, played a big role in keeping us out of the game. Um, it's discouraging. It's like, where, where do you go from here? You know, we were a poor free throw shooting team last year. Um, you know, we... We come back this year and you would expect guys like Terrell and DeMond to really work on this. And especially DeMond, you know, when he's, you know, becoming more of this outside shooting type. Um, and, you know, it's, you know, we're six games in now, seven games in now, and uh, it's still not falling consistently. So, well, you know, you can only turn, you know, guys into what they are to an extent. You know, you, you can't turn, um, you know, Andre Drummond into Steve Kerr or, you know, Percy Hawkins or Stephen Curry or any great three-point shooter, you, the guys kind of are what they are and they're having to adjust to a new style of play that they weren't recruited for. And, you know, we can only hope that they can, you know, figure it out and do so much. Um, you know, Aaron, how do you think you would handle it? Um, you know, if you got put into this uh, type of offense after, you know, your first year? Oh, it's, it's, it's a huge game changer. They, and I don't think we can overstate how much of an impact it is on the guys that, that played last year, uh, major minutes. I think that the major piece of this, that it may not play a huge role, but I think we shot 71 field goal attempts today, which is our most all season uh, against a division one team. They, it may not translate to this, perfectly but when we we value each possession so minimally and i don't say that in a bad way we're we're going up there we do that better than anyone in the country the offensive run and gun getting shots up quickly we value each possession so minimally that i wonder how much of that translates to the free throw line i know they're working on free throws i know they're spending a ton of time and they're going to break that down and i know coach petway's got a ton of stuff going on at practice at the end of practice running drills for for free throws and things like that as as any coach would but Again, 71 field goal attempts, that, that is a, a lot of shots that go up, and we're not going to value the, the shots as much. So when we get the free throws coming, I wonder how much that translates to the free throw line, if that makes sense. Absolutely does make sense, and now it's making me wonder. Um, but, you know, if I think, you know, if our guys don't value any shots at all, I think it's a, you know, a concern. So I, I do see what you're saying, but I hope that's, you know, not, not going to be the yeah. case. And not in a negative standpoint, I'm not saying that they don't care about the free throw line, but I know we're already thinking ahead of how we're going to get the next three point shot or when we're on defense, we're ready to go out and explode to get a basket in five seconds. We're if we're thinking ahead of that too much where we get to the free throw line and and we're just kind of we're we're putting them up and and we have some shooters. I, I know, you know, I don't expect us to go 64 percent throughout the season, um, but I, I don't think we're going to be a, you know, 80 percent free throw shooting team uh, all year. I see what you're saying, though, kind of like a wide receiver that catches it and goes looks up field before they actually catch it. Yeah. Um, and try to make that next play. So that makes that makes sense. Um, but, you know, demand was just uncharacteristically, you know, not good. And, you know, I think we missed 10 free throws, but that's not even counting the hidden misses, which, you know, I kind of consider the missed uh, front ends of the one and one. You have a couple more that you don't even get to attempt. So mm -hmm. those are points on the table as well. So is, you know, it is what it is. We miss, we make five more of those free throws. We're probably, you know, at least um, fighting them until, you know, the final buzzer trying to, uh, you know, see if, who would win. 
Right. And, you know, their uh, their final total was 20 of 28. So not that much better than ours, but they shot it really well at the line down the stretch um, and hit some really tough shots in the last final minutes of the game. Um, so they did everything right um, to close us out. Um, yeah, that's all I got on free throws, though. It's 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 to stick with like football analogies. It's like it's like field goal kicking. Right. I mean, you can, you know, practice 100 times um, a day and put up you know, a million attempts over and over and over again, but you're never going to replicate the in-game experience. So yeah. um, it's a tough thing to work on. Yeah. And we, you know, we, we didn't play great in the first half, got off to a really slow start. We put ourselves in a fine position to, you know, come out of halftime down five. And then, you know, the first thing we do is like throw the ball away, you know, and right. King saved us there with, you know, the block, but he, th- you know, throws the ball. Like, you know, <sighs> we, we just, kicked ourselves in the balls over and over and over again. And, you know, that's where the game really changed. Like if we came out and won those first, you know, five minutes of the second half, I wonder what would have happened, but we, we screwed ourselves. It is worth mentioning that we won the turnover battle 11 to 18. Um, So, I mean, the fact that FIU put up 91 points is kind of crazy. They shot almost, I think it was almost 60. Yeah, it was 56% from the field. Um, so I, I think part of it is FIU played their best game of the year when they really needed to. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we, we didn't help ourselves obviously. Um, but yeah, it's, it's little things like, you know, free throw shooting and, you know, our, our three point specialists going cold that, you know, kept us out of this one. I mean, it wasn't too different of a game than like the Georgia Southern game a few weeks ago where they shot the lights out, you know, and, uh, yeah. this time it was us trying to keep up rather than, uh, the other way around. Yeah, and they shot higher percentages, and also they shot, uh, what, 12 or something less field goal attempts than us, yeah. maybe three 14, less three-pointers, oh, something mm-hmm. like that, yeah. But we, you know, like, again, we just make a couple more of those shots, and, you know, that's just how delicate a basketball game is. You know, it's a mm. – they everyone says, like, uh, old Uncle Lewis Preston, um, it's a game of runs, and, uh, you know, we could not make that final run. They made the run to start the second half, and – we were, we were just, we were playing uphill battle from there. Mm. One thing I want to ask you, um, in terms of like situational shooting. So I felt like a lot of times, especially during this game, there'd be a Jamel King three, there'd be a four stop quick pass to Q and he'd take a quick shot with two guys in his face or, you know, the seven footer in his face in a crucial moment, right, of the game. I mean, do you see Petway making an adjustment there of, hey, why don't you, instead of just pulling up and making a three, yeah, you are the three-point specialist, but make an adjustment here and diving into the paint. Or, hey, maybe you just pull up on a mid-range because, you know, the paint's always filled. Yeah, we don't – under Coach Petway, we don't have many offensive quick hit sets. I'm there may be a few that we've ran that you know hit here and there, but I think the 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 name of the game is give Terrell Burden the ball, let him make make you know make a, a play, get him past half court, and let him and get our shooters the ball. It's and at that point, shooters are going to shoot. They they probably hear it a hundred times a day in practice and then shoot around in games. Get the ball up. We shot, again, 71 times, and nothing out of those 71 was organized, whether they were our – we started the game, I think, 0 for 4 shooting from 3. Um, nothing in the paint, no no paint touches that were intentional. 
Um, a lot of it is just Terrell Burden. He had 10 assists. He can make he can make plays better than anybody that we've really played this season, and we're going to trust him to do that. But also there comes a negative to that. We, you guys have talked about, you know, it's a game of runs and we're going on runs and FIU's going on runs. We don't have an offensive structure that we're going to we're going to fall back on and say, you know what, we're going to get the best shot possible right now. We're going to run the ball three rotations deep. We're going to get the ball to the last 10 seconds of the shot clock. And we're going to have either a backdoor cut or, you know, a dribble handoff or a, a scoop and score, whatever the case may be. We don't have something like that right now. So a lot of it is trust Terrell Burden to get in the paint and drop it off or kick it out to to Q who's who's there to his credit ready to shoot um and maybe making his mind up early to shoot or, or whatever the case may be but that's kind of our how our offense is right now not a ton of structure and a lot of trust in, in the in the guard play do you it think- was um it was good to see uh Simeon Cottle take on more of the true shooting guard role tonight um because it at times for the last few games it had kind of been like uh just a you know one-on-one off with the point guard situation with Cottle and Burden um and you know Cottle played well uh in that role so uh, I want to see more of that going forward and Terrell's gonna you know get shots to fall he's not gonna go three of 16 every night and Q's gonna get shots to fall um so I still think there's potential to put up a lot of points um but I, I agree with everything you said I mean the lack of organization is um concerning um do do you think that Aaron? Do you think we could mix tempo more? You know, we could play our breakneck pace eighty percent of the time, but you know, twenty percent of the time, slow down, run some basic sets, change things up. You know, kind of uh, you know, give guys perhaps a chance to breathe, think about things. Um, or is that something that you know goes totally against what Petway is probably wanting to do? I think we've come to see that that's not going to happen. And I, and I don't think it should necessarily happen when it comes to how we're playing basketball. Offensively, we have an identity. Our identity is we are going to move the ball up the court and we're going to get a lot of shots up, a lot of offensive rebounds, a lot of points. We're, we're going to do that. And we're going to do that better than most teams. If not every team we play this season, especially in conference play, I, w- I wouldn't want to see at this point, them slow it down and, and try to, mix and match, you know, oh, we're going to, we're going to, on a made basket, we're going to go and do this play or this set. I don't think that's necessarily going to work. It's it's difficult enough trying to get five people on the same page um, at any possession, let alone if you're switching game styles that drastically. I think what we're doing now is we're kind of live and die by it. And, and I think we're going to live by it more often than not, but tonight just wasn't one of those nights. Yeah. Sometimes we're going to have to slow it up though. At the end of the game, that sort of yeah. thing. And uh, you know, just, you know, every every so often when we're a little out of control, um, you know, maybe instead of calling the timeout, we just take a possession, you know, slow and then, you know, kind of reset our minds a little bit and then, you know, then start our breakneck pace again, you know. Uh, but that's just me thinking out loud. Um, something that, you know, I saw, especially in the first half that was really affecting us with our defensive rotations. And Aaron, you touched on this last time, but there were multiple times like their first two buckets, they went right to the rim for layups, open three point shooters where you can kind of tell like, oh, the, the owls, you know, looked over and like, oh, shit, nobody's there. Somebody blew a blew a coverage. Um, it obviously this is something that is correctable. This is something that will be fixable. Um, but what do you see when it comes to that? Yeah, I just touched on it. With offensively, we have our identity. Uh, defensively, we're not we're not quite there yet. Um, when we're playing the best 
to our ability defensively. We have all five guys just playing with full energy. Hands and feet are moving. Um, they're alert. Heads are on a swivel, finding everybody. Um, we didn't necessarily have that to start the game tonight. They had a, a few wide open layups. And I think what I, I tried to slow it down as much as I could to see, we did a lot of on-ball switching today on defensive pick and rolls. And, and DeMond was playing, you know, whether he was playing a guy on the perimeter for five, 10 seconds of the, of the shot clock, or he was trying to rotate back to his guy. We left an open hole in the middle of the paint. And that's no fault to DeMond. It's just, I think the guys that are down there, you know, guarding the paint, they're, they're not shot blockers. They're not as comfortable in the paint as, as our true natural big guys are. And they're going to, you know, good offensive teams are going to find the, find a way to penetrate that. So we really have to work on our, our switching and our rotations. Um, but mainly when we are switching on a pick and roll, you don't, you don't want DeMond to be guarding a, you know, a shooting guard or a point guard for, you know, 20 seconds on the shot clock. There's got to be some sort of urgency to find a three-way switch or to when, when the ball's on the, on the weak side, you, you can switch back with, with a guard. Um, and I didn't think we had that too much. Uh, we didn't execute that too well tonight. Um, but that, that, and along with a few different possessions where we were kind of just running around, you know, with no discipline, those, those are the possessions that, that really cost us and interfere with any streak that we're trying to make. Right. And um, you mentioned just demand on defense. It felt like he got isolated out of the perimeter a lot tonight. Um, and, you know, he's always going to lose that first step to that um, that one guard or that two guard. Um, so definitely want to see less of that. Uh, one thing that I am noticing, and this is something that I think we underappreciated about Amir's teams um, because it was a big emphasis for him was not biting on the pump fake. Um, I mean, especially in the first half, we were flying all over the place every time, you know, their shooters went up. Um, and there were a few possessions where it's like, okay, you know, he pumps on the three and, you know, finds a guy on the end or drives to the basket and there's nobody within five feet of him. Um, so that was concerning. Um, that should be coachable though. No. Yeah. And I, I talked about this last week as well. When you see people, you know, getting, uh, being fooled by a pump fake and flying through the air, that's really the, the last part of the defensive possession. If you just slow it down a little bit or rewind 10 seconds and you can see, when the ball gets reversed to to that open shooter, the help side, whoever's guarding that guy, is five feet further or a half a second later than he should be. So at that point, he's let's just you know whoever it is, they're gonna realize, oh man, my guy is wide open. I got to sprint out there and I got to save this shot or, or be there for the catch. And the offensive players, they they understand you know when when to shoot, when to pump fake, when not to. It's slower motion for them, and we're gonna jump out there because we're because we're late we're already late so at that point we just got to stay down but it starts before that we have to be there and anticipating the rotation so our guys get there before we even have to jump yeah it's basically like compounding a mistake at that point trying to overcompensate um, yeah. you, know, you, you go fly through the air you know they're probably either driving right past you or odds are they're going to get the shot up anyway because you're you know a split second late so um, yeah. you know, sometimes you might block it though uh, but yeah, you know, that happened to Jamel King once on that, uh, that fat, that, ter- that was a terrible call, uh, but he didn't, you know, he, he didn't uh, stay on the ground and he got called for it. And I think that was three free throws that he gave up. Uh, well, one, I think it could have been three, but I think he only made one. So mm-hmm. here I'll, uh, I'll ask the room. Um, what as of right now is the biggest concern um, this year? Uh, I, I will say, uh, you know, I'll just say 
we, I'm not sure we have the guys that coach Petway ideally wants. Um, I know he loves his guys, but you know, when you inherit guys, you're not, you're, you're getting guys that play, like I said, in a different system, perhaps do you have more talent on the small guard? Like we have, you know, Coach Petway is probably more concerned with, you know, Oh, we need a, we need some bigs and oh, we'll take anybody who's good, you know, that can get us some minutes, you know, the, the time's time's ticking. Um, you know, I think we just need to get him as players. And I, I am very worried that, you know, if we do have an injury or something like that, the depth, um, you know, could hurt us. Um, but I'm not too concerned about the defense that's coachable. You know, I think that'll come along in the next month or two, or I hope it does. Um, as far as the offense goes, you know, again, I think they'll get more comfortable in knowing, you know, when to take the shot and when not to take the shot. Like there was a Demond Robinson shot early on where I think he shot a three when he had some numbers where it probably would have been a smarter play to maybe, you know, drop it off to a guard to take it to the rim, but he stopped because he had the open look. And, you know, you're kind of taught in this offense, I guess, you know, if you have an open look, take the shot, which is great. But, you know, if you have the opportunity to easily get a better shot, you know, it's closer to the basket and perhaps higher percentage, you know, take that one first. So, you know, I just, I, I just want to see how we look at the beginning of conference play. It's too early to make any rash judgments. Um, what about you, Aaron? I think you made a lot of good points. I would, my biggest area for concern, and it's, it's really not a concern at this point. It's, it's Terrell Burden's usage rate. I mean, he played 35 minutes tonight. He's played, you know, 30 plus minutes a lot this season. Um, and, and, and really not all minutes are going to be created equal in terms of he's got the ball in his hand, every single possession, dribbling through a trap, dribbling through a, a press, um, making plays. Um, now, I know I know Cottle, he's going to handle the ball quite a bit and he's going to take a lot of the load on R.J. Johnson as well. But but Burden's usage rate, I want to see I would love this this non-conference part of the season to let some of these guys, you know, build that skill and build the skills of, of managing the ball and taking care of the ball and finding shots. I know it's we're not really working that on that in the game setting, but I I get concerned a little bit with his usage rate, um, and and not in terms of anything other than the fact that I would love to see other guys kind of get more comfortable handling the ball. And it's not just his usage rate; it's also that he's like five nine, and when he is used, he's taking you know big bumps. It's like if you have a small running back that's like five six and you know built not not too strong. Um, you know, he's going to wear down faster than if you have a guy who's like a, you know, six two tank. I'm not saying Burden's weak or anything like that. I'm just saying that, you know, he's he goes to the ground a lot because he takes it up so strong. And it's just nat it's natural physics. You know, if you're a if you're a six, eight, 280 pound person, you are going to come down hard on somebody like that. And he's going to and he's taking a lot of hits. So his usage rate mm -hmm. is co compounded by that. Oh, yeah. He's drawing 10 fouls a game, I would imagine. He draws a million fouls. Right. He gets beat up. Um, and I would I would say really just in agreement with both of you guys, I think the biggest concern in 2023 to 2024 um, is uh, the usage and fit of Terrell Burden and DeMond Robinson. Um, you know, starting next year, that no longer matters. Petway has his guys in. You know, we can move on to other concerns. But this year... I don't like DeMond's fit and I don't like him being forced to be something he isn't. I wish he would get more touches in the paint. I wish we used him in the post um, more than none. Um, and then for Terrell Burden, to a lesser extent, uh, we're still relying on him super heavily, like you said. I mean, his usage rate is crazy. 
Um, but he doesn't have the build that the other guys have out there, you know? Um, and he was really, really good in that Amir flare screen pick and roll offense, you know, that had way more structure to it. Um, and now it's kind of just like, okay, you know, he's the most talented player on the floor, get the ball on his hands and let him figure something out. Um, so that concerns me a little bit. I don't think that they're negatives on the team, but I think that there is a bit of a conflict of direction, um, when they're on the court. Um, so that, that's, that's a concern for this year. And touching on touching on Demon, it it wouldn't be a podcast without me bringing him up. I I wouldn't care if he shot 38 percent from three. I still would love to see him in the post and just being a dominant factor down there. That's not only getting rebounds, but is putting guys in the basket and being a beast down there. I can speak whenever I was playing a guy with the, what six nine two forty, I would pray that they would be shooting threes that would be my that's in the ideal situation for me yeah go ahead out there and shoot go ahead even if you make one or two i'm not getting a bruised sternum every time you back me into the post um i would love to see him do that and i see today it may have been a little bit more of an outlier but like i said even defensively he was on the perimeter a lot and i know I'm, i i can't imagine he loves being out there i'm sure he's not as comfortable but he he is a monster in the post offensively and defensively. And I'd love to see him spend more time down there. And, you know, to your point, dropping demand into the post and just getting him the ball does not, is not necessarily going to slow up our offense, you know, drop it in, have him, you know, have him go to work um, three to five seconds, get his shot up. Um, if something happens, pass it out, shoot. Um, it's not, you know, it's not even a, it's not a play. You just drop the ball down to him, have him post up and maybe they need to double and then you can get a better shot. Um, you know, that's kind of the ideal. And as far as burden goes, you know, just, just, you know, we're not going to play too many teams with like a seven footer, like FIU has. And, you know, Ibar is very long as well. Um, so, you know, I keep attacking, man, just keep attacking, you know, against the North Alabamas and the Queens and all that. They're not going to be able to stop you, bro. Just, just go do your thing, you know? Right. Absolutely. Um, I mean, it's pretty clear that last year's team was a better shooting team than this year too. Um, uh, I don't know. I just, like, can we not just have a set to get demand in the post, you know, more than once or twice a game? I, I just I don't get it. I, I I get wanting to stick to an identity and wanting to keep things consistent. But when he was maybe the best post player in the conference last year, I feel like it's just such a huge waste. Um, yeah. But, you know, hopefully we adapt and hopefully that's, you know, something we we start doing because it's definitely not too late. Yeah. And you would see the, the first few games of the season. And I, I know they're rotating in baseline out of bounds plays. We had baseline out of bounds plays when he would duck in and seal his guy hard, and and they know his value. Obviously, they know what he's worth on the, in the post. And not only is it going to help our team offensively, but it's going to help us defensively as well. If if he's getting shots in the post, we're not having these long three, uh, these long you know rebounds that are leading to transition points for the other team. And obviously helping keeping us out of foul trouble as well, keeping us out of transition. So there's a lot of benefits to him being down there, and and we heard it a ton to start the season how he's the the uh he leads the he has the, the school record for highest field goal percentage like let's keep that up like we don't want him to lose that record this this season like we want him shooting 70 80 percent from the field and he can make five or six left shoulder hook shots on anybody and aaron aren't you number two on that record 
Ooh, I couldn't tell you. I know the I know rebounding, but I don't know about the field goal. And even if I am field goal percentage leader I, or second, I, that came at like three field goal attempts a game. So I, I, I don't own that as much as uh, he should. It would yeah. be really funny for you to break the record, you know, 10 years past your playing career. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That would be quite great. But no, um, hopefully he doesn't break it because we want DeMond to do well. But, um, you know, I, I still don't want DeMond to stop shooting. I just think that we need to be, number one, a little bit more selective. And like you guys said, number two, bottom line, get it to him in the post. Um, he's not as big as he was last year. And perhaps, you know, we can adjust it game to game when we're playing with a team in our league that has smaller bigs. You know, maybe there's select games. Let's go at him with Robinson. Why not? Perhaps when we're playing a team like FGCU that typically has, you know, bigger, more athletic players, maybe we stick more towards the perimeter. Um, so, you know, play it by ear. Let's, you know, are like, do we, I mean, do we even have a game plan or are we just kind of, you know, are we just kind of winging it here? I, I mean, there are times where it looks like pick a ball and, you know, sometimes that works. I mean, it, it's worked a couple of times for us this year, um, yeah. but when it doesn't work, it's really, really ugly. Yeah. There was a stretch in the first half. Um, I think it was the first half and Tim uh, said it in DM to me. Um, I'm not sure when it was, but I was thinking the same thing where I'm like, wow, this is just, this is not good basketball. Um, and I think it's cause you know, we were taking, you know, poor shots, um, outside the usual outside the norm and not taking care of the, taking care of the basketball. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, 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 it was an ugly game in, in spurts. And I thought of it a lot of, in terms of like, not necessarily pickup basketball because, that's these guys deserve a lot more credit than that. But a lot of it just seems like I'm the better player offensively. I'm going to go ahead and get a basket as opposed to really understanding what the defense is giving you and, and moving the ball around. We definitely have room for improvement on that. And like I mentioned earlier, we're, we're not going to stop the, the quick shot and getting 60 to 65 possessions a game, but we do have definitely room for improvement on being, having purpose and being intentional on where we're getting our shots taking it back to football, you know, if they're going to give you the, you know, a six yard pass to get the first down, you know, you'll take that every time as opposed to, you know, taking a shot 20, 25 yards down the field, you know, that's kind of, you know, cover double covered, you know, or even single coverage. If it's right there, you know, you kind of got to take it. And I, I think this is just perhaps something where you have to watch a lot of film and the coaches sit down and say, you see that shot, that wasn't a good shot. Here's why. And here's what we got to do next time in that situation. Um, do you think that's kind of the, you know, how we get better, how, you know, in the film room, Aaron? It's definitely going to start in the film room. And, and, and to coach's credit, I mean, maybe, maybe DeMond's not demanding the ball down there like he should be, or he has in the past, or, or maybe it's just not something that, you know, he's vocal about at this point. And I know he's a vocal leader. He's a senior. He's, he's more than capable of, of demanding the ball verbally. Um, but it's not going to be just one quick fix. There's going to be a lot of things. It's got to be intentional. It starts like you mentioned in the film room, taken into practice throughout, throughout the week, um, moving into, you know, the upcoming conference schedule, things like that. Um, and, and it's not like, it's not going to happen. He's we're, we, there's plenty of meat on the bone, 71 shots. He took six, um, DeMond took six, two point attempts tonight. And a lot of those came off offensive rebounds. So there's meat on the bone for him. It's going to happen. It's just a matter of how soon it will happen. And, and he'll be effective when he gets the ball down there. Speaking of, you know, meat on the bones, um, his, uh, you know, he lost a lot of weight in the off season. He was a lot rounder last year. 
Um, obviously that's beneficial for playing on the perimeter, um, endurance, staying out of foul trouble, quicker feet. Does, do you think that has any aspect in terms of how he's playing when he's near the basket since he's not, you know, quite as large and in charge, so to speak? It very well could be. I think really the more the cause and effect relationship with that would be they, these guys play basketball together five, six hours a day, whether it's at practice or pickup or, you know, shooting, he's developed, he's more comfortable at this point with more of a finesse game. And that may be because he has a, you know, a slimmer frame or because he's spending a lot of time working on that part of his game. And to his credit, he doesn't miss shots bad when he shoots. He has a great looking shot and and he's very capable of making them. It's just his game has changed and naturally that he's he's seeing himself float out to the three point line and, and popping on some on some pick and rolls as opposed to rolling. Um, and it, it who knows the cause and effect relationship exactly on that. But I think he's just so comfortable now doing it. It's just more second nature to him. Yeah. And I, I want to give a you know. I know we're probably uh, towards the end of this podcast. I do want to give a shout out, you know, uh, Quincy had his ups and downs, but I think, you know, props to him. He plays hard. Ronji Gordon also plays hard all the time. Um, I don't think we talk about him enough because it's a lot of dirty work. Um, mm-hmm. That sort of thing that, you know, it's, it's not going to be flashy. You know, Ronji doesn't mm-hmm. have the best looking jumper, the best looking three pointer. Um, it'll go in, but again, it's not flashy. And I just, you know, we probably don't give him as much love as we probably could and should, you know, get what, like 11 and seven tonight before fouling out playing mm-hmm. almost 30 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. The Bronji was awesome. Um, and you're right. He does the dirty work. He does the, uh, the stuff that's not flashy. He's in on every rebound, you know, whether he gets it or not. Um, you mentioned Quincy and, uh, while we talked about him having a tough night from three, um, his ability to get to the basket this year has been so much better than it was in years past. Um, and that's a huge plus, uh, you know, he's kind of able to take control of the offense when he has the ball in his hands. He can hit that pump fake and get, get to the rim. He can, you know, be out on the fast break and, you know, he's an option. You know, he's not going to pop out to the corner like he would in years past. So that's been that's been great. Yeah, he he has shown some versatility on that. And and going back to, to Quincy, and we talked about this last week with playing zone, him at the top of the key with his activity during the zone, that really helped us out late in the first half. Um, we went on a good run to finish the half there. And a lot, a lot of it started with him defensively. So uh, major kudos to the the call for going zone and, and kudos to Quincy for being so active out there. Yeah, I probably would have started Quincy, to be honest. Um, she gets to get some more size if, uh, you know, Sherman wasn't available or Ranji. Uh, but, you know, hopefully uh, Frank Juan will be back in the starting lineup maybe against Georgia State. Um, right. One more thing I wanted to discuss. We mentioned on the last podcast how we have this uh, penchant for making sports center, whether it be good or bad. Um, and do you guys think we made it again in the bad column based on that one dunk it was really pretty sick. I'm going to say no, because it was an NFL Sunday, but that's the, only ah, that's the only reason uh, that was, that was a nasty throwdown. And if that had happened on a Tuesday night, um, you know, in December, then absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's, top, top five. that's my only reasoning. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, these guys are unbelievably athletic. I don't think we had plenty of dunks when I graduated, what, 10, 11 years ago, but nothing what these guys are doing. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, even RJ Johnson, game one of the season, like, these guys are so athletic, man. Except Markeith. He's, yes. he's an exception. He's a, he was a freak. Markeith was and still is the most dominant player I've ever played against athletically. He's a monster. 
So yeah, he was, you know, he, like, I remember he made this one dunk. I think it was when he was like a freshman he was like under the basket. And I was in the front row hanging off the perch in the student section. And he just has this like monster put back just like, and then he hulks up or whatever. And I think it was Mike Nance or whatever, the uh, referee, just like, you could see with the whistle in his mouth, he's like, holy shit. Like he wanted to say, holy shit, what just happened here? Um, I remember seeing the first time I played, you know, I saw him play. I was like, you know, how did we get this Marquise guy? What the, what the hell? Um, so, you know, that was quite a get for uh, Coach Ingle um, back in the day. So if you haven't seen Marquise Cummings play, I definitely recommend YouTubing it. There's plenty of uh, KSU highlights uh, on YouTube. I think uh, one of their old KSU staffers probably put him up there. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, we love our uh, former guards here on the, uh, the Alchat podcast. <laughs> yes, we sure do. Um you know, I think that Terrell Burden, though, he's my number one. Um, yeah. And I'll tell you why. Because Terrell Burden played four years, including the pandemic year, and then he could have gone elsewhere. He could have gotten, he could have probably gone anywhere else um, outside of maybe, you know, a uh, top three league or something like that. Um, he could have played in almost any conference and, you know, but he didn't. He chose to come back. He chose to cement his legacy, stay loyal to us. And that's why Terrell Burden besides what he's done on the court um, and his importance there, bringing us the uh, tournament. That's why he's my number one. Right. I, I don't think any of us would disagree with you there, John. Um, before we take this out, I'll pose one more question to the room. If uh, Georgia state comes up and beats us on, is it Saturday? Um, what's the mood? How are we feeling? Man, I won't be feeling good. I'm going to be at that game. Um, going to be in the, you know, I think going to be a center to the court. Um, that's, that's going to be disappointing. Um, I haven't looked into Georgia state yet, but they're kind of, they're kind of, you know, doing all right like us. Right. So it's, it's mm. probably going to be kind of a 50, 50 ish game. Um, going to help us out though, that, uh, you know, we're at home. So I think we should win it. Uh, we should come up with the energy, um, and I think the Kennesaw State marketing people, the athletic department, and the university should hype the hell out of this game. And there should be a, there should be bleachers entirely full. I mean, I'm sure we're going to get a whole bunch of Georgia State people, of course, making the trip. I mean, that's going to be without a doubt. But even mm-hmm. with that said, there, I don't see why there should be any room, standing room only. I mean, what do you think, Aaron? Yeah, I would agree. I I would I hope it's it's absolutely packed in the convocation center. Um, especially being a crosstown rival. What I will say is I, I wouldn't be too disappointed. I have to just kind of rein in the expectations, understanding we've we're seven games into the, the Coach Petway era. And and I emphasize this quite a bit. I'm that's a major process after going, you know, being in a, a coaching staff change myself. It's not something that's it's a smooth transition. As great as Coach Petway and staff are, it's going to take some time. And, and we've outlined, I don't know, you know, we're just four guys out here watching the game, but we've outlined five or six major things that we think they can improve on. And we have to remind ourselves we are still late November, early December. We have some opportunity for, for conference play um, where, we're, where that's where it's going to matter the most. So as much as I'd love to see a win, and I will be bummed if we lose, I, I want to see kind of the steps, the baby steps that we can take to being uh, a top tier Atlantic Sun member. Right. Well, said. I agree with both you guys. Um, sorry, John. Um, I agree with both you guys. Um, I think it is very important that we hype this game up and we get people in the stands um, because that home court advantage is real for us. Uh, since I've been a student, we are 
17 and one at home, either 17 or 16 and one at home. And uh, the only game I missed was Georgia college. Um, but yeah, uh, I also agree with you, Aaron, though, like if we lose, it's not, you know, a reason for overreaction. Uh, Georgia State's having a better year so far than they did last year. Um, they're in a second year of a coaching transition, so they're a little bit ahead of us. Um, so definitely won't be like a, a major cause for concern. But as a fan, I really want to win this one, you know, especially yeah. as somebody who knows a lot of people at GSU. So I, I'd say this game is more of a, a want than a need. Um, That's like well said. Like a really, really, really big want, you know, I want that, you know, that PlayStation five for the holidays coming up or whatever, but you know what? I might not get it and that's okay. You know, I still got plenty of other stuff that I'm happy with. Um, So, you know, that's kind of how I look at it. Um, And, you know, home court is very valuable. Um, People probably underestimate that if FIU came into the convocation, well, they have a convocation center, so screw it. But if they come into the Kennesaw state convocation center tonight, we're probably looking at a 91-84 Owls win. I mean, are we not? What? Yeah, no, I'd agree. All right, that's that's well. If you guys have anything else before we wrap it up, I've got nothing else. I can go ahead and take it out unless you got anything else, John. Ah, uh, no, I, I just want to give a shout out to all my uh, all my haters. Um, no, thank you guys for listening to the Owl Chat podcast. We appreciate you, and we'll be back. Well, we'll be back with you next week after the Georgia State game. Absolutely. We'll be back to recap Georgia State. Let us uh, let us know what you think, guys, about this kind of like instant recap reaction thing we're doing after games. It's a little bit different from what we normally do. Um, so, you know, our DMs are always open. Just give us feedback. Um, we will see you guys uh, in a few days for the midday uh, show. Midweek show. Excuse me. Thank you for tuning in to the Owl Chat Podcast. As a reminder, you can follow our hosts on Twitter at KSU Owl Howl and at Big Owl Blog. You can also view additional content on BigOwlBlog.com and be sure to join the online community of Owl fans at KSUOwlHowl.com slash forum. Until our hosts return, stay happy, stay healthy, and as always, Go Owls!